great battle of Jericho is over. The walls, as the song says, has come tumbling down, and they have taken the city. Now, I want you to imagine with me, if you will, the relief and the excitement that they must have felt in that moment. I mean, I want you to think about this. The, 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 the great city of Jericho stood in their way to the promised land. And they have crossed, the, so they're, they're out of slavery. They've went through other generations. They've crossed the river. They've prepared for this battle. They have waited, and now they have marched for days. I mean, can you imagine that? I, I, I'm not going to accuse any of them, but, but imagine being in that army, right? And you're marching around day after day after day. And you might be thinking, when is it finally going to happen? But you remember, God said, on the seventh day, I got you back. And then finally, when you make that final lap, and you hear the trumpets blow, and they said, go ahead and start shouting. And you start shouting. And bam, the walls come tumbling down. And God says, get in there and take it over. And you get in there and the battle's over. Imagine that relief. That moment where you just get to sit there and think, we did it. Have you guys ever had a victory like that in your life? Where when the fight was finally over, you sat back and thought, we did it. It's okay. God had my back. Has anyone ever had that experience where you, you were worried about something and finally it was over? Who here has ever had that experience? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of you. For me, it, it was when I, I was serving in the Army, and uh, we were getting ready to deploy, and I was a chaplain assistant, and right before we left, unfortunately, my chaplain was told, due to medical reasons and, uh, and some other personal reasons, she wasn't able to go with us. And so they actually shipped her home. And so here I am, a young specialist as a chaplain assistant, and my commander, he looked at me, he called me in his office, he said, all right, specialist, we can't get you a chaplain for a couple months. You've got to serve that position. Good luck, figure it out, get out of my office. And I stood up and I said, yes, sir. And I left his office. And so here I am, a young specialist, trying to figure out how to, how to fill those shoes. And those are big shoes to fill, all right? Because I was enlisted. That's an officer job. And then it was time to deploy. And a week before, what we have to do is we had to give a briefing to a full bird colonel who was the commander of the training unit and a bunch of sergeant majors and first sergeants and a couple other officers. We had to give this briefing to let them know, hey, we are ready to go. We understand our mission and we are prepared for it. Now, let me tell you something. Every section... And the unit has to give that, give that briefing. The supply, the cooks, the medics, the MPs, everybody. And so did the chaplain section. Well, guess how many people are in the chaplain section? Two. And you take away the chaplain, guess who's left? The chaplain assistant. So my commander said, you've got to give that briefing. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, you've got to give that briefing. Go figure it out. And I said, well, I'd really rather not. <laughs> so I had to get prepared. And I had to go in front of this commander and in front of everyone else. So, and, and, the, and, the, and the crazy thing was is, is all the other section heads were in there as well. And we're all really good friends. So we're back there snickering and making faces at each other because, you know, the commander can't see us. And so, you know, I got to give in front of all the unit. I got to give in front of this commander. I was petrified. I was terrified. I mean, can you guys imagine that? Here I am, a young specialist having to do the job of an officer, and now here I am standing in front of him saying, yes, sir, for the next year, this is what we're doing. And I understand it. I thought I did. I was, was going to fake it till I made it if I didn't. And I was horrified. I was petrified. But then after the briefing was over, the commander said, all right, specialist, you did good. You did well. It's over now. I know you understand. And when I left that briefing room, I just took a big, deep breath 
And my, 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 my sergeant, because uh, I still had to fall into, into a, 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 a team, and he walks up to me and goes, you can be okay? I said, yeah. I said, Roger, that's all right. I'm done. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go back to the barracks and relax. Now he goes, you earned it. And I just had a sigh of relief. And I had that breath of relief over a briefing, right? And some of you are like, well, that's really not that big of a deal. And you're probably right. It probably wasn't a big deal. But in that moment, it was a big deal. And I had that relief, that feeling of just, it's over, over a simple briefing. Now imagine, imagine that relief after the fall of Jericho. I mean, just picture that for a moment. I mean, really, really think about it. Like, it's over. The promised land is, is, is right there. God came through. God was faithful. And that moment of relief, that moment of hallelujah. God, you, you, you said, you did what you said you were going to do. You did it. And we all have those spiritual moments of victory, right? Or like, God, you did it. But then, sometimes, in our lives, we are like the Israelites. You see, I bet they were riding high thinking they couldn't be defeated after that, right? I mean, one of the greatest cities of their time has just been defeated. They must have been pretty arrogant, right? And we all have those moments where we are, I did it. Nothing can bring me down. But then chapter 7 comes. We all have chapter 7s in our life, don't we? You see, in chapter 7, sadly, the great battle's over, but yet they lose a battle. They're defeated. What? You're telling me that shortly after God helps them conquer Jericho, they lose a small battle, and I, are you kidding me? They defeat this great city through God, yet through this smaller one, they lose. Well, what, what happened? Here, here they are, victors, they're, they're champions, they're, they're going to the promised land, right? They've conquered the city through God, yet here they are, after this smaller city, after this smaller region, they're defeated along the way. Right after a major victory, they get, they get defeated. Well, what happened, church? They're riding high. They, they have the relief. They have the excitement. They just won this major battle, yet here they are losing all of a sudden. What, what happened? One word. I don't think it's on your note. If you have your notes out there's in your bulletins, the notes are there. I don't think I have it on there. But what I want you to do, I want you to write this one word down. I can tell you exactly what happened in one word. You ready for it? Disobedience. What happened? Disobedience. You see, Jericho represents the possibility for Israel when they obey Yahweh, when they obey God. You see, Jericho is the perfect representation of God's faithfulness. And IE shows how sin within Israel makes them God's enemies. You see, what we what we don't like to do nowadays in 2021 as pastors, I don't care too, because I'm going to say it, is that what we have tendencies to do is we we minimize sin. We minimize it. We think, oh, it's just sin. What we don't understand is sin makes us an enemy of God. Ouch. Not a lot of amens on that one, right? Sin makes us an enemy of God. And so by disobeying, right, when, when Israel sins, they then became an enemy of God. Though we know that sin doesn't have the last word, right? 
Oh no, we have hope. Sin doesn't have the last word. You see, this battle is a representation of Israel's failure and serves as a reminder to us of the importance of obeying God. It's the importance of obeying God, church. Now, in order to understand this fully, we need to remember what God commanded Israel to do. Remember when God instructed Israel on how to conquer Jericho? He says this, he gave them a very meticulous plan on exactly what to do. He didn't leave anything out. He says, when you go into the city, now, what I want you to do is I want you to march around it. And when you're done marching, I want you to blow the trumpets. When you blow the trumpets, I want you to shout. And when you shout, the walls are going to come down. Now, when the walls come down, I don't want you to stand there in disbelief. I don't want you to stand there like, whoa. How many, raise your hand if you're going to be like me and you would stand there and just go, whoa. I would. (laughs) I see those walls come tumbling down. I'm going to go, that's awesome. (laughs) Wow. Right? But that's not what God said. What did God say? Get in there and conquer the city. You stand there with your mouths wide open, you're going to fail. Get in there and do it, all right? But then if you go back to chapter 6 and verse 18, what does he say? But, right, but, there's some other thing. Go conquer the city, but, but, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, so he says here, if you take them, don't, don't touch it. Don't take them. They're gods, or if you do, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. God said, when you go in, don't take the devoted things, period. Don't touch it. Now, you're going to be tempted to, right? Because we get tempted by material things, don't we, church? Everybody's head should go, yes. Preacher stands back there and starts handing out cash. How many of you are going to go, no, I'm perfect. No, all of you are probably going to be like, yes. Because guess what? I'm not doing that. <laughs> Don't get excited. I'm not going to tempt you all, especially my wife over there. Be like, uh-uh, you're not, you're not going to hand out money, right? But all of us, we, we, we get tempted by material things. We like material things. So as usual, someone has to ruin it, don't they? There's always that one. Go to chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. It's so confusing, isn't it? God literally just said, don't do it. And he helped them win. And then someone had to do it, didn't they? Achan took some of them. And I know that's probably not the proper way to say that name, but that's how I'm saying it. It says Achan took some of them. He couldn't help himself, could he? So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. He couldn't leave it alone, could he, church? He had to take it. It's like watching a movie. If you're like me, you like movies. I love watching scary movies, especially the old scary movies, right? And, and, and you know in those scary movies where we can see what the actors can't see, right? I, I like movies like that where I can see it and you want to like dictate, don't do that, especially in a scary movie, right? So they're sitting around a campfire and they hear something in the woods and they go, I want to go check that out. And what do we sit there and say, don't do it, <laughs> right? Don't, don't do that. And what do they do? They always, go, they always go look, don't they? And they go and look and what happens? They get killed. Every time in scary movies, I, don't, I can't figure out why the writers can't do something different, but it's so predictable, right? And, and so we're sitting there watching this movie, and, 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 and it's, so if we put it in context like that, Aiken's like, oh, I want to see it. And we're back here like, don't touch it. Don't do it. Don't. God, God literally a chapter ago, just a few days ago, said don't do it. And what does he do? Takes it. He takes it right away. And we're like, no, no, put it back. Put it back. Put it down. And what does it say? He put it with his own things. 
No, Aiken, don't do that. You know what's going to happen. Just listen. Please be obedient. But what does he do? He says, nah. My interests are more important than God's commands. My, my, my pleasure is more important than God's commands. My financial well-being is more important than God's commands. My life is more important than God's commands. And his disobedience led to some heavy destruction, guys. And we criticize him, but how many of us can relate to him? You see, here's what we must understand. It's in your notes. If you get nothing else out of the sermon, take this away. Obedience is key, church. That's why I titled it that. I want you guys to take that away. If nothing else, you get nothing else. Those three words I want you, was what I want you to understand. Obedience is key. You see, the Canaanites were living against God. They, 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 they were in complete opposition against God. They were his enemies. And look what happened at Jericho, except for Rahab. What happened to her? Well, she turned to God. And the Israelites were obedient to God at Jericho. Look what happened. You see, what we have to understand is God doesn't pick favorites. I, I do believe, now this is just me, all right? Let me, let, me, let me talk for a minute. I believe that if the Canaanites would have turned to God and said, God, we want to be on your side as well, I don't believe that the destruction would have been as bad. I don't. Because look at Rahab, right? She was a Canaanite, and God saved her. God doesn't pick favorites. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to destroy you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you live. You're both serving me, therefore one lives, one dies. No. When you're in opposition against God, that's when you're in trouble. But when you're on God's side, that's when, when you obey God and his commands, that's when you're saved. That's when God says, I, I got your back. But when you're in his enemy, when you're living in sin, that's when, listen, look what it says. The Lord's anger burned against Israel. Why? Because Israel decided to disobey him. Israel said, I would rather do my own thing than listen to God. And what happened? His anger burns, burned against them. Now, I understand it was just one man, but God commanded that none of the devoted things be touched or be taken. Achan didn't listen. And because of that, Israel faced the consequences and people died because of his choice to disobey. Men were killed because of his choice to disobey. You see, oftentimes what we do what we think is that when I mess up, when I sin, when I make that choice, it's my fault. Therefore, it affects nobody else. Well, I've always been taught that we don't live in a vacuum, right? You see, what we have to understand is our sins affect those around us. It's like dropping a pebble into water. What happens? It's a ripple effect. Now, there are some sins that are a little less obvious, right? Some sins aren't as obviously affecting other people, but there's other sins that when you do it, oh boy, it affects those people around us. You see, what oftentimes is sin is interpersonal. Because we live in a community. We are, we are embedded into our communities, church, right? This, what we're doing right now, this is our community. High Point, it's our community. Your neighbors where you live, it's your community. Your coworkers, that's your community. The people that you go to school with, that's your community. And everything that you do is going to affect them in some way or another. Sins are not in a vacuum, church. And we see that right here. His sin caused other people to die. Achan disobeyed God, which means that he sinned against God, meaning the sin carries with it, listen to me, consequences. 
Sin has consequences. So let's look at this within the sequence in which it was written, all right? So I, just a quick review. Here's what it is. Joshua and the people have experienced only victory up to this point. Now, 36 men are dead. And the army, it was frightened. No doubt Joshua was confused and puzzled, and certainly he expected nothing but victories, right? Because that's what God wants for us. I, I want you guys to know this. Lean to your neighbor and say, God wants victory for your life. It's a lot. God wants you to be victorious, church. He does. He, he wanted it for Israel then, and he wants it for us today. He wants us to be victorious. He doesn't want us to have to suffer and, and, and hurt. He wants victory in our life, and God provides every avenue possible for victory. But at the same time, he does not make defeat impossible. We are able to make that choice. It's a, it's a cool thing called free will. We have that choice. We either obey God or we disobey God. And we make the choice that can lead to either victory or failure. And too often we choose to go our own way. And when we disobey, listen to me, we sin. And when we sin, we have consequences just like Israel. But remember, a failing in life does not make life a failure. You're able to pick yourself back up, okay? So let's look at this together, right? So at verse 11, we see the sin. At verse 11 is where we see the sin. If you're taking notes, that's the very first point. Israel has sinned, God said. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. You see, in, in chapter 6, Joshua reminded the Israelites that all of the gold, silver, and bronze was to be kept only to the Lord. They said the devoted things, the gold, the silver, the bronze, everything is to be the Lord's, period. Don't take any of it. But what did Achan do? He took a portion of the treasure from Jericho. He violated the commands of God. Even though God commands, was very clear, don't take it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Well, somehow he was able to rationalize his sin. And as a result of his sin, God removed his hand of blessing protection from Israel. Listen to me, church. I believe this is in your notes as well. God never honors disobedience, period. You cannot, you cannot be disobedient to God and expect him to honor you. You cannot live a life of sin and expect God to honor you. That's not how it works, church. That's not how it works. This is, this is very, in the context of Scripture, this is very similar to the story of Adam and Eve, right? God commanded them not to eat of the fruit. What'd they do? They ate the fruit, didn't they? And it revealed to them a lot of things that God said, don't do it. And what happened after that? All of humanity was cursed. And now we have inherited sin because of that. Think their sin was in a vacuum? Nope. Their sin wasn't in a vacuum. It cursed all of humanity. Why do you think your sins are going to be in a vacuum? It's going to affect those around you, church. It's the sin. And God never honors disobedience. God commanded Israel. And what did Israel do? Well, they did their own thing. And because of that, all of Israel is punished. In today's, no, in today's context, it's no different. God gives us a command, right? Love your father with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors as yourself. He gives us the Ten Commandments. He tells us don't sin. And when we choose to ignore the command and do our own thing, guess what? God doesn't honor disobedience, church. Romans 6, 23, we all know it. For the wages of sin is what? Death. 
disobedience is sin, and the wages of sin is death. And I know pastors nowadays, we're not supposed to talk about that. We're supposed to be motivational speakers. That's not who I am. I'm going to read scripture to you. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, period. No way around it, church. And listen to me. Sin is direct disobedience to God, and sin will lead you down a path of nothing but pain and destruction. It might feel good for a moment, but it ends in destruction, church. It's going, to end you, it's going to end with you feeling nasty, hurt, in pain. However, obedience to God is always worth it. Plain and simple. So the first thing is we see the sin. But what was the cause, right? I, I, I'm convinced that, that none of us wake up in the morning, those of us who are Christians, right? So the Israelites were, they, they were walking with God. And so us Christians are very similar to that. We wake up, we walk with God. I'm not convinced that any of us wake up and think, you know what? Today I'm going to sin. I, I don't think we do that, do we? I don't think any of us wake up and say, you know what? Today's a good day to de deliberately disobey my creator. How many of us have ever woke up and said that? None of us, because none of us want to do that, right? We want to honor God. Those of us who are Christians, we want to honor God. So what then leads us to sin? And I think in this story, there are two very distinct things. So we have the cause. And if we're not careful, we are going to fall in these two traps as well. And the first one is this, overconfidence, right? They were overly confident in this situation, weren't they? Because what just happened? They just defeated Jericho. So they thought. So what'd they do? Well, they shrunk their army. And you know what? Just send us a, a small portion of the army over there. It's a smaller city. There's not, there, just a smaller amount of people. We got this. What happened? They were defeated. Why? Because they were overly confident. You want to know why? Because they thought that victory was theirs. They forgot that they didn't win that victory. God did. What did they do? They walked. That's all they did. Well, they blew the trumpets and shouted as well when God told them to, but all they did was walk. Who won that victory? They forget that the battle is the Lord's. It wasn't their battle. They were overconfident. So I guarantee you, Achan walked in and thought, well, hey, we won this battle. I guess this treasure's mine then, isn't it? I'm going to go ahead and take some of that. The cause was overconfidence. They got a little bit cocky, didn't they? And so what happened? Overconfidence led to sin. Sin led to destruction happens every time church remember it's not ours we can beat our chest we can look back at the good times oh look how great we were were we great or was god great think about it oh look i mean way back then we did so many good things did we do good things or did god do good things and the question is am i trying to do it today or am i allowing god to do it because I tried to do it in my own strength. Guess what? When, Jer when, they, when they allowed God to work through them, they conquered Jericho. When they tried to do it themselves, a smaller city defeated them. See, we have to look back in our life through church history. When we allow God to work, church, we can move mountains. But when we try to do it in our own strength, when we're a little bit overly, overly confident, a little cocky, we're going to fail every time. Listen, if you guys rely on me as your pastor, you're going to fail. I'm sorry. I will fail you. We rely on God. Nothing's impossible. And the second thing is the lack of self-control. Mm. I don't like that one. Do you guys? That one kind of hurts, doesn't it? Lack of self-control. Meaning I can't say no to myself. I can't say no to my flesh. 
Achan, he saw what he wanted, didn't he? He said, that gold, yeah, that looks good. Better yet, that, that right there, that'll look good on my shelf. Better yet, that will buy me some amazing things. I know what God commanded, but you know what? Ah, I like that better. How many of us are like that, church? I, I know God says not to watch that, but man, just do you see it? I know God says not to, not to put that into my body, but boy, when, I, when it hits my veins, mm, it feels good. I know God says not to talk to that person because I know what it's going to lead to, but boy, have you seen them? Lack of self-control leads to disobedience. Disobedience is what, church? Sin. And guess what sin leads you to? Destruction every single time. Do you see how this builds on itself? You see, the sin is disobedience. The cause is because we got overly confident. We have no self-control. You know, self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have self-control. The sin is disobedience caused by overconfidence and lack of self-control. But check this out, right? Pastor, that's kind of that's hurtful. That's kind of negative. Well, I know. It's all right. Because guess what? I'm not going to leave you hanging. There's hope. There's help. Did you guys know that? There's a, there's a cure. So let me give you the cure, all right? So what do we do when we fail? Well, we get back up, right? I've always heard it. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. It only matters how many times you get back up, right? So what happens when we sin? Well, it's the same concept. When we sin, we get back up. We dust ourselves off, and we go and we kneel at the feet of Jesus who paid our penalty. And we confess our failures and we seek his strength to go on. You see, God said in the beginning that sin brings death. Sin brought defeat to the life of Israel. Joshua and the people of Israel took Achan, his sons and his daughters, all that they had to the edge of the city and they stoned him. You see, Achan's sin brought death and destruction. It had consequences, church. And some of you might be thinking, well, well preacher, that, that's kind of harsh. That, that's, that, 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 when I sin, that doesn't happen to me. You want to know why that doesn't happen to you? You might think it's harsh in the Old Testament, but you know what God did? God did the very same thing for us, only in the form of Jesus Christ coming and taking those beatings. You might think, well, pastor, being stoned, that consequence was tough. Your sins led to the same consequence, yet he loved us so much that he said, you know what? I'm not going to make you bear that. I'm going to send my son to you. There's the hope, church. The cure is Jesus Christ. You see, we don't have to bear that consequence because Jesus already did it for us. You see, the Old Testament, it, there's so much relevant in it. But you see, we live after the New Testament, which means we live under the grace of Jesus Christ, the salvation which he provides. So you might be thinking, well, that punishment was harsh. You're right. But what we have to remember is, is, is our sins led to the same punishment, yet we didn't have to bear it. Jesus Christ bore it for us. You see, we aren't punished that harshly because Jesus was punished that harshly for us. So by accepting his saving grace, bought by his blood, we are saved from the punishment of death. But if we continue to live in sin, Church, you have to hear me when I say this. If we continue to live in sin, if we think that stoning was a harsh punishment, you continue to live in sin and you die in your sin, you're not even, that stoning's gonna seem mild. Hell is real, church. The punishment for sin is death and an eternity separated from God. 
And I know what people think, right? Well, how can a loving God send us to hell? We, he doesn't send us to hell. We choose hell. It's a choice. Either I obey his commands, I accept his saving grace, or I disobey him and I become an enemy of him. I love what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, listen to me, if we accept his saving grace, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen, church? As Pastor Tanya and the worship team come back, the sin is disobedience to God caused by overconfidence and a lack of self-control. But church, it doesn't end there. The hope and the cure is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So remember, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Stand to your feet with us again, if you will.
As we come to a close, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the cure to our sin. You are the cure to our disobedience. And as we leave here today, Lord, I pray that you give each of us the strength to continually obey you and walk in your light. And it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. Amen. Don't forget, there's no prayer service tonight but the chili cook-off. Please come out and uh, try all of our chilies. I'm bringing my three-bean chili. And as Kevin from the office says, the trick is to undercook the onions, all right? Only about probably five of you will get that reference. But anyway, come tonight, 530. It's a fundraiser for our youth group. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Baby bottles are due next week. I don't know. Do we have any office people in here? Are you an office watcher? No. Did no one get that reference? Uh, Y'all got to watch the office. Uh.